You're listening to CKUW 95.9 FM, Winnipeg. listening to Bikini Drive-In on CKUW. Bikini Drive-In's mission is to analyze horror and science fiction films through an intersectional feminist lens while combining elements of screen and media studies, arts criticism, and women and gender studies. Since we'll be discussing portrayals of horror and violence, content warning, listener discussion is advised, etc. Also, spoilers ahead. Today I'm joined again by artist and curator Mahalik Kaf. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's always fun to talk about films and movies and like horror and all the things. Yeah, it's the best. Uh, Mahala Kuff is an interdisciplinary artist from Treaty 1 ter- Territory, so-called Winnipeg, Manitoba, that uses mediums such as photography, collaging, and poetry. Through, the- through their work, she hopes to create more awareness about the lack of representation of women of color and queer people of color in media. Their work has been shown at local galleries and events such as Ace Art Inc. and Black Spaces Nuit Blanche Nuit Noir. Their work uh, has been shown at the Art Space Window Gallery, Flip Fest, and in the Artist-Run Centre T-Base in Toronto, Ontario. She explores topics of feminism, blackness, and gender through their artistic and activist practice. This week, we are discussing Jordan Peele's 2017 film, Get Out. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's... Blackman. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bruh. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> so you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this this thing? (laughs) We hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. Do you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. You ready for this? I'm back in the beat. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Bros, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Mom, it's a terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. If there's too many white people, I get nervous. No, 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 no,
Kaluuya stars as Chris, a young black man who visits his white girlfriend's parents during a weekend getaway. At first, Chris reads the family's overly accommodating behavior as nervous attempts to deal with their daughter's interracial relationship. But as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to a truth that he never could have imagined. Mahalit, what is your experience with Get Out, and why did you choose this movie this week? Hmm. I think it's just like... I remember when this first came out, I was I watched it the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like one of the smart, most smartest films I think I've watched in a very long time, but also I was like, what, 2017, I was like, maybe like 19, so I mean like, <laughs> I'm not like, like, this is one of the smartest films I've ever seen in my life, yeah. but like I think it's like one of the most like horror films I actually generally liked, because mm-hmm. just like growing up, I feel like I didn't watch a lot of horror films, like mm-hmm. a lot, I wasn't able to like be attracted to a lot of them, and like not into like more into my adult years, but mm-hmm. this one it was just like very like scary in a different way. I think I think if you ask any person to describe this film, it's like it's not intention it's not like boo scary, it's mm-hmm. like psychologically scary. I think yes. it's like a really cool thing about Jordan Peele's movies. It's like it doesn't make you scared in like a jump scare type of way, but it makes you think about things. And like for me I watched this film, I think this is my so when I was watching this film again for like this recording specifically and talking about it, um, this was my fourth time watching it like watching it. Mm-hmm. And every single time I watch it it's like I learn something new each time where I'm like, oh, this scene. And then I, I, I get overly analyzed all over it again. But, I still, but I'm still able to enjoy, like, the humor in it and, like, the scariness of it. But also talking about, like, the main factors, like, this, this black guy is, like, <laughs> being thrown into, like, this weekend he never, ever imagined his life to be in. Like, no one, no one could imagine it. Like, you date this white girl or just, like, date this person, essentially. And their family wants to kill you and use their body yeah. <laughs> to, like, just, like, almost, like, Harn- like not harness but like what's the word like hone this body mm-hmm. but not like for their own use essentially right yes so it's just like it's a very interesting film and like it's funny and like gross and like scary and terrifying but also like very breathtaking and like mm. even like the, the shots in the movie too like and the music is just like very in- it's very very intentional and like, so you can just see like Jordan Peele's work and I never like watch and I like, also for me too, like, <laughs> just like Jordan Peele is like a comedian, like right, yeah. Like I remember growing up watching like Key and Pe- Key and Peele mm-hmm. and like that whole genre. But thinking about it more too, it's like I think for him to make this really, really smart film, it's like you have to be funny yeah. to be like the scary essentially. Mm-hmm. So well, the thing is, like, yeah, you have to be smart to be funny, and you have to be smart to be able to like to create a movie like this. I think exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. I, I saw this movie in the theater when it first came out, and it was, like, such a fun experience and such a great movie to see. And it was really interesting, the, like, how the audience would cringe at, like, corny white people and all their gross comments, and, like, how the the audience identification with Chris grew along, like, along the story. And, like, at the end, when we think the cop car is showing up at the end, like, everyone was just, like, oh no, in the theater, and I was like, yeah, but it was, it was great, it was such a, like, yeah, very fun experience to see this movie in the theater, um, so yeah, I just want to start with a quote, uh, from Tanana Reeve for uncannymagazine.com in an essay called Black Horror Rising, um, she writes, um, Jordan Peele's Get Out is the epitome of the contemporary racialized horror story, where racism is literally the monster, and all members of the audience, no matter their race, are forced to empathize with the black protagonist who was hunted and abducted by white family. Within, the, within that simple premise, Peel layers in commentary on white liberalism, microaggressions, the history of slavery, and the, appro- and the appropriation of black bodies. This film was written and released during the transition between um, the Barack Obama administration and the Donald Trump administration. So kind of like 
it encapsulates this like post-racial post-hope like white liberal fantasy um which is like an idea that like stems from the same fantasy that people that people believe that racism is solved just because donald trump is no longer president um and yeah it's just like an interesting commentary on this like performative what white allyship that's all tied up in that i don't know just like (laughs) it is it's very interesting because i remember like, when Obama got first got elected and, like, watching CNN, I was, like, what, 2008 or whatever, and mm-hmm. I remember, like, CNN being, like, racism will, like, no longer exist in 2050, and I'm, like, no. <laughs> like, how do you what? think that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was, like, wow. At the time, what, 2008, so I was, like, 9 or 10, I was, like, or 11, I was, like, yeah, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. now I'm, like, l- learning more about institutionalized racism, mm-hmm. like, all different types. Like, like racism, is, racism is, like, systemic systemic right where it's mm-hmm. like this thing that is ingrained in every type of system and for people to have this idea that like oh racism exists because of like certain power will, will be removed or like or like added or something like mm-hmm. that it's just so interesting and with this film coming out just around that time i think it was just perfect but even fast forwarding to now where like it was just so funny to me watching the u.s election and like I'm, like, being nervous, obviously, but understanding that, like, you know, we don't, like, for myself, don't live there, but also, like, being conscious of, like, the future and stuff, but just mm-hmm. the way people were reacting when Trump, like, Trump, obviously, lesser between Biden and Trump, lesser two evils, obviously, that's, like, the... Oh, yeah, he's a rotten human being. He's a terrible human <laughs> being, you know? But also, Biden isn't perfect either. Yeah. We're still, elect- they're still electing a white old man, essentially, yeah. right? Like, what will this old white man, regardless, like, bring into the office, like, bring into, like, you know, politics or whatever, like, mm-hmm. or government? But just, like, the, the way people were reacting to the street, like, people were, like, but mostly, like, liberal white people were, like, oh, my God, life is fine now. And, like, I feel so safe. But it's, like, mm-hmm. you've been safe. Like, <laughs> this idea that, like, not idea, but the fact that, like, whiteness will always protect you. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I see, like, like, just seeing, like, all these, like, videos of people, like, waving, like, the American flag, like, oh, my God, like, democracy's back again. Like, oh, life is so amazing. We're, like, black and brown people are, like, I'm going to still die tomorrow, essentially, mm-hmm. if, like, if the cop pulls me over, right? Yeah this whole liberal white fantasy like performative allyship definitely because like you know people <laughs> people screaming a cab like in the summer and then now Kamala Harris is like in office like oh my god I love her <laughs> it's like oh no like yeah. that's not how it works you yeah know, like like follow through you know and like do the research and do the homework and like it's just it feels like we're going it feels like people are going 10 steps forward and now they're going like 100 steps back mm-hmm. we're just like I think it just really shows that people are really 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 not ready to confront like what liberal whiteness looks like or acts like and that is really unfortunate mm-hmm. but eh, we'll see eventually yeah <laughs> but until that so i'll see keep, keep being critical <laughs> yeah yeah uh what's funny about this movie is that it was like accused of being anti-white oh my and racist. god <laughs> i mean of course <laughs> like what is anti-white like anti like call it like that like there's there's like, a black main character like what are you talking about <laughs> That's like the funny thing. Is, like, yeah, to call it anti-white, it's like no. These are like real life experiences. Mm-hmm. Like I remember talking to black people after this film came out. I was like, yeah, that happened to me. You mm-hmm. know, like the whole like microaggressions, like the feminization of black people. Like this is all that stuff happened. So it's like for white people, it's like this is anti-white because they're just not happy with seeing the reality. Like this is mm-hmm. what happens to black people, and you happen to be the people that pressure this behavior and don't want to be accountable for it. So it's like too bad. I also really appreciate how this movie discusses cultural appropriation. Um, so I have a quote here from an essay called Get Out is an Allegory for Cultural Appropriation from fishnetcinema.com. So they write, uh, the message at the core of Jordan Peele's jaw-dropping directorial debut, Get Out, is that white people love black culture and black bodies. They do not value black lives. 
Our bodies and culture are exploited for profit as trendy consumables. However, things typically associated with blackness are only good, in quotation marks, when present on non-black bodies. So uh, this is portrayed in the film, in the art and sort of artifacts around the Armitage's home, in the language. Um, so Dean, um, Rose's dad, uses the term like my man and thang a lot, like so corny. And also, yeah, just like this idea of like how the, the film embodies like black culture and bodies as property. Um, I was also listening to the someone else's movie podcast where they the host described it as this like white exploitation of black bodies in, in so many different in different ways to like to the art to the language to the actual like physical bodies of black people. Yeah, it's just like I think the way they did it was so smart and like very subtle because mm -hmm. it's like little hints like the dad's like dropping these very small things mm -hmm. over the period of the whole movie and like you kind of have to like I feel like you have to like be be aware of like exploitation of black people to understand it like or like know the history of feminization or just like like cultural appropriation period to understand like the way he talks and like <laughs> it's almost like this black sense thing where he's like mm -hmm. trying to put on like he's like no I'm like down with it but it's like not like cut it <laughs> like yeah. no one wants to hear that but I think just like it's almost like almost like this uncomfortability I think when like thinking about white folks and like you're trying to like like do I come across as too white it's like just mm -hmm. just talk normal yeah. like, but try to put on this extra like performance mm. to like try to be like cooler or try to like come across like I'm not one of those white people it's mm. like you're always a white person regardless right so just yeah. like with this dad he was overly compensating and you can just tell like you know the movie Chris is just kind of like or like just like trying to like discuss and uncomfortability but like this half smile and trying to like thanks like you're yeah. trying really hard I can notice it and like but he doesn't notice it mm -hmm. um but that's like this whole the act of this this family they're acting to kind of like get this body essentially mm -hmm. to like be theirs or like to, to sell to other people right right yeah but very 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 interesting even like the scene where like uh Chris is meeting all of her um family's like friends mm -hmm. like the auction part right yeah and they're touching the body and they're mm -hmm. saying oh I would have like you know I love Tiger Woods and like yeah <laughs> like and being just like also just like sexually like sex very like being sexual around him and yeah. like in the sense where just like oh his body looks so great and like being just like and like asking but like I remember the one woman who's like oh how how great is he and she's and the girlfriend's like what and like 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 yeah like ask like oh like is it better yeah is it better and yeah. it's like the whole stereotype right and yeah. just like he t like I think Jordan touched on like very very like common traits like common stereotypes that black people but specifically black men go through mm -hmm. and i haven't really seen that in the movie ever where like it touches on every single thing mm -hmm. and there's still so much more that he has, probably hasn't even explored but i think those are very like common and like unfortunately common but like it was done in a very like subtle way but it's like he's almost being passed around throughout mm -hmm. the whole time like he's like meeting different people and they're mm -hmm. like this thing and this thing and this thing and he's just like over like uncomfortable the whole time but even like when he goes upstairs, and, like they can like all hear him walk up and they all talk. Oh my gosh! Coffee. Yeah, that's and such that's a sinister. Even, like, <laughs> and like, just like you can hear, like you can hear them just all stop and like look upstairs mm -hmm. and just to see what he's doing. And it's just like that, even that, right? Being like you're feeling like you're constantly being watched. And they mm -hmm. like that was the whole theme of the movie. I feel like didn't constantly watch, but that was so so like well done. It was like so creepy. Like it's mm -hmm. perfectly creepy. But I can go on about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I just want to, like, yeah, talk about the microaggressions in the film. So microaggression, in case someone doesn't know, uh, is a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group. So Chris experiences many different microaggressions at the hands of the Armitage family and their guests. So, like you said, Mahalat bringing up Tiger Woods, a black golf 
player seemingly for no reason, unwanted touching, gross sexual comments. The parents are also very weird about Chris's smoking. Also, like, the the scene with Rose confronting the cop before they get to their parents' house. So just this, like, micromanaging and, like, controlling Chris's bodies and, like, basically reducing Chris to an object. Um, and Peel, he, Jordan Peele frames these everyday microaggressions and casual racism as unisolated acts of horror, so they are especially sinister. Uh, and I think the film does a really great job of showing how subtle forms of racism are connected to more overt forms of racism. So... Um, from racist right, microaggressions and cultural appropriation to exploitation and ownership of black bodies. Like other forms of oppression, such as like misogyny and transphobia, so-called so like isolated casual racism is connected to more overt, more overt violent racism along a spectrum of harm rather than, rather than like seemingly like harmless comments. You know, yeah, they're all I sort of like part of their, their master plan, right? Yeah, it's this very like calculated master plan. Like a part of me, when I watched it again, um, it made me think about, like, uh, what would the family look like? Like, how do you train for this? Like, you're really, like, it's, like, almost like a script they're following, right? Like, mm -hmm. making sure that his body's completely healthy. Yes, but, like, yeah. you know, or, quote-unquote, healthy. And, like, no smoking. And I remember the first time, I didn't even notice, like, um, the scene where, like, she doesn't let the cop look at his ID because he, she doesn't want him to be found, right? He, like, yeah, yeah. There's no way to trace back to him. And, and, but, that's, but that scene, I think, plays out two very, like, interesting things. <laughs> like, that not being trace but also the fact that like a cop being like oh where's your license but he wasn't driving right mm -hmm. that's always the case a lot of black folks who are pulled over by the cops right it's like very like expected question cops ask black folks but like specifically black men but also yeah rose be like no no you don't like she tried like the, it's almost like this white savior like no 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 i'm gonna mm -hmm. stand up for him <laughs> i know this is racism but also like he doesn't realize like you're literally trying to like she's not trying to she's trying to make sure that you will not be traced back to them and you'll yeah you'll be missing and then like when your body when your body is used for someone else no one will look for you essentially mm -hmm. and the smoking thing it's just like it's just so it's just so weird it's like you're trying to make sure he's like completely completely healthy no smoking no nothing because mm -hmm. he's, he's basically yeah as you said before he's <clears throat> taken down to just like a body not even a person anymore like smoking is like quote unquote bad or whatever right mm -hmm. but just like they're not even caring about that they're caring about how his body will be for the next person to take over totally. him right yeah it's also yeah a way to control his body as, like, a product that they're selling, but then also it gives, like, Missy Armitage, the mom, an in to sort of, like, to start hypnotizing him. So I think it, it works It works twofold like that way. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about scientific racism. So um, I have a quote here from an essay called Get Out and Scientific Racism from HorrorHomeroom.com. Uh, they write, uh, scientific racism is predicated on the belief that whiteness is evolutionarily superior to non-whiteness and that races are genetically predisposed to have different strengths. Usually white people are presumed to have mental acumen while black people are have physical prowess. It is opinion issued under the cover of being fact. Uh, when we think of racism, we, of, we often conjure images of vitrolic passion, but we overlook the role that dispassionate racism under the guise of reason plays and the harm it causes as a structure of oppression embedded in science. Get Out is predicated on this very danger represented by the comfortable White liberal, the person who tells you they voted for Obama, but still in their marrow believes that racial differences are scientifically preordained as hierarchical. Uh, and I feel like this sort of, the scientific racism comes up a lot when they when they do discuss Chris's body. Like um, Also in the photographer Jim Hudson's comment, um, when Jim Hudson um, threw the television, it's hard to describe that scene actually, but they're basically like having a conversation before, like the operation before, like the brain swap moment. So... Um, 
and Chris asks like why black people and Jim's comment is like oh this is just how it's always been this way the Armitage is like has have always used black people in this way and it's kind of like it's this inherent thing like they haven't even given much thought to which is like yeah. which is frightening because like they haven't even yeah they haven't even given it that much thought that's just the way that it's always been yeah like I wonder too it's like I think I think maybe maybe it comes from like the American context in the sense of, like who's been there like the longest so it's mm-hmm. like either black folks or indigenous folks mm-hmm. and like where the fact that like the poor are more visible and stuff like that where it's like like we can we can think about ways why they chose black people, but I think the scientific reason behind it is very interesting. But this whole idea that black folks have always been like more stronger and more like, but it's also fetishizing black men, right? And like, mm-hmm. like fetishizing the black body, where like, because yeah. black people were basically sold, right? Because of the way like they can farm and like they can be on like plantations and stuff. <laughs> but just like um, with yeah, the the obsession was really interesting. The way he just uh, where he talks about. Uh, his grandfather or like his dad mm-hmm. and like how he lost a black man and how that is interpreted in the sense where like when his body is trans- transferred to over to another black person the the grandpa's always constantly running because mm-hmm. he always has like he, he always feels like shit <laughs> for like losing as his black mm-hmm. person right so now he now he's a he now essentially he is quote-unquote a black man but doesn't that doesn't really change anything you're, you're still lost for like to a black man in that mm-hmm. in the past right but then also this plays on like the idea in that scene where her brother, I forget his name now. Jeremy. Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Complete asshole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate him. He talks about when they're at dinner together and he, the when Chris meets him for the first time, like, properly over dinner and stuff, and he talks about, oh, like, it's all jujitsu, jujitsu. It's, mm-hmm. all, it's all in the mind. It's not about strength. If Chris fought him, he wouldn't be able to, like, you know, it's all about thinking three steps ahead. And then thinking about the end scene where, like, mm. Chris was able to fight him. Not even with strength, but he was able to also use his mind. I think it's almost like Jeremy being racist in a sense where he's like, nah, black folks can't fight with, like, their, they can't, like... Totally, yeah, them. basically saying that, yeah, like, black folks aren't, like, smart enough. Exactly. Like, They're yeah. always using their bodies to, like, overly compensate, where mm-hmm. it's like, nah, like, <laughs> you can, like, that thing, that it ties into fighting, right? You can't just be physically strong to fight. You have, you have to be very, like, you have to think three steps ahead because, like, you know, it's about fighting. It's not about just, like, your body, essentially. So I think mm-hmm. it was him being racist in that sense, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, the scientific racism about how black people's bodies and, like, how, like, oh, they're only used for their strength, but, like, they're they're not smart, right? Yeah. But. just want to talk a little bit about uh, white privilege. So, which is a real thing. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you By don't the know way, what you didn't know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Peggy McIntosh is an anti-racism activist, scholar, and senior research scientist at the Wellesley Centers for Women. She wrote an essay, an essay in 1989 titled White Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack, which pioneered putting the, the dimension of privilege into discussions of power, gender, race, class, and sexuality in the United States. So I just want to read a little bit of her essay. Um, so this is what she writes. Uh, I was taught to see racism only in individual acts of meanness, not in invisible systems conferring dominance on my group. Um, as a white person, I realized that I had been taught about racism as something that puts others at a disadvantage, but had been taught not to see the one, not to see one of its corollary aspects, white privilege, which puts me at, at an advantage. I've come to see white privilege as an invisible package with unearned assets that I count on cashing in, that I can count on cashing in each day, but which I... Uh, but about which I was meant to remain oblivious. White privilege is an, is like an invisible weightless knapsack of special provisions, maps, passports, code books, visas, clothes, tools, and blank checks. Uh, then she continues to go on and says, she has a list of about 50, um, 50 notes saying daily effects of white privilege. So 
for example, if I should need to move, I can be pretty sure of renting or purchasing a house in an area which I can afford and which um, I want to live. I could go shopping alone most of the time, pretty well assured that I will not be followed or harassed. I would turn on the television or open the front, plate, front page of a newspaper and see people of my race wildly represented. So this is, it is, was written by a white woman in 1989, so a little kind of complicated. Yeah, she is, she is basically like writing to her experience, but then giving it um, sort of like an academic credit, right, at the same time. But I think it is like an interesting sort of jumping off point. Yeah, I think it's super important for like white folks to talk about white privilege and mm -hmm. like write about it too. And I think that gives a little bit of less like pressure to like black and brown black and brown folks to explain to people, mm -hmm. or like you just have to write about it, you know, because it is a thing that, that has, been around, has been around forever, and yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, it just also just like, it makes my, like, mind boggle the <laughs> sense where just like, people have been writing about, like, white privilege from, like, this is from 1989, you said, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that's just like, that's a, not a long time, but like, mm -hmm. enough time for people to like, know about it now, and like, mm -hmm. that's just so, it makes me shake my head a lot of people, because I'm just like, how do you not know this exists mm -hmm. at all? Like, whiteness mm -hmm. will always protect you, regardless of where you are, and like, financial situation, whatever it may be, like, that will always protect you first. Mm -hmm. And, like, even when you touch on the, the, the examples of, like, how whiteness will protect you, um, like, that privilege will protect you, essentially, it's just, like, thinking about, like, yeah, when you buy a house somewhere, you'll always be accepted. Mm -hmm. And, like, thinking about, like, the context of the states where, like, redlining was a real thing, where, like, specific areas were blocked off for white people. And, like, if you went into a, if you didn't know about the neighborhood being black, they like, no, no, don't go there. You can't live there because mostly black people. And, like, mm -hmm. and that's how, like, really segregated areas in the states began where, like, there was all real estate agents knew, like, the, the designated areas where black folks lived and black, black and brown folks lived and white people could live, right? So mm -hmm. just, like, it go, it's so systemic, I feel like, in a sense, where, like, it's, it's also very planned out in terms of, like, how, white, how whiteness is played out. But in a sense, we're talking about privilege specifically. Um, I think in the context of this movie, it's just, like, the privilege that you can like sell people essentially and yeah. no one would ever know. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And, or have a problem with it. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you think of like their little like insular community, yeah, they're just, they're able to, to capture and like do surgeries on people and then sell them. And then, yeah. And that's it. And like, and even it. thinking about the, the opening scene where Lakeith Stanfield's mm -hmm. character is like kidnapped, right? Oh, yeah. And then fast forward. Which is so sad. I'm like, no. <laughs> I his his acting and like the um, the moment where Chris like takes a picture of him and the in the camera flashes and just like the shift in his in his face is just like so wonderful. I think he he did such a great job in this movie. Thinking about his character in the sense where like he was where were they going with this? He was taken mm -hmm. and like the, uh, fast forward to when he's at that gathering at the at the auction and mm -hmm. the, his wife quote unquote mm -hmm. the lady who basically stole him yeah, yeah. <laughs> so his old buddy and she's like oh we're homebodies now and it's like no you're really homebodies because you can't go out with him because literally people will know you've kidnapped him mm -hmm. <laughs> like and that's a privilege too like you can just like you can like kidnap a whole person and be at home all the time and no one ever question it yeah and that's like messed up but just like the privilege that family has a lot and like even rose like bringing on these different like <laughs> black men home and like mm -hmm. no one ever has always pattern either and like just thinking about like thinking about crime too. I think specifically with this movie thinking about like how white folks go out get a lot get away full of crime and like mm -hmm. this honestly like I remember talking to someone we're like is this a true story like it's get out based on true facts like it honestly could have been yeah it's a like, documentary <laughs> <laughs> like honestly if someone 20 years from now is like yeah get out is actually my life and I'm like oh yeah. my god yeah. <laughs> oh no yeah. like you know like that whole lot I think just like 
fact that like like white folks could essentially buy black people and they use that use their bodies like that's a whole privilege right and like mm-hmm. it's been seen in other contexts of like you know it's like slavery <laughs> privilege I guess in that sense but yeah very interesting people if, you, if it's like if you don't know what white privilege is and you are a white person please read a book <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like to to go off of like our white privilege discussion is it is interesting to think of like this the white people in this community that are taking these black people and taking their bodies like they probably still identify as white people do you know what I mean like they're not oh they're not going to be experiencing the world the same way that like Chris and and Dre I think and or Logan yeah Dre Dre's character do you you know what I mean like they're like it's just very interesting to to think about like what is what life is like for those people after yeah, because there's still there's a there's still a small part of them in the in their brain, mm-hmm. right? That's what they that's what they talk about. It's like, yeah. it's like you don't you, they don't completely lose themselves, but there's a small part of them who's in the sunken place. Mm-hmm. But even like the interaction between Chris and like Logan or slash Dre, mm-hmm. and he like when he goes to to like give him a fist bump, he's like <laughs> he grabs his hand, and you're like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> this is so bad. He's, and then he's like, even like he makes a comment to his like Logan, like Dre makes a comment to his wife, and he's like, oh. Chris just told me he's very happy to see me because he doesn't feel so uncomfortable anymore. And he and then she's just kind of like, oh no, like what is going yeah. on here? But also like not understanding. Yeah, I think the way you mentioned this sense, we're just like, they never lived body, but they're still a white person regardless, mm-hmm. which is so, oh, so weird. It's so Yeah, it's so, yeah, it's really interesting to think about. It. I'm not really sure like what, what I think about it, but it is just like fascinating to think of like how, how race works in that way in this film. Yeah. Like who are you really, right? Like mm-hmm. you're in this black body, but still this like white brain. You, mm-hmm. And you always see yourself as a, as like a white person, but you're also using, like you're not. You didn't choose his body because he's black. Like you're using, you're choosing his body because he's black, but not really. You know, yeah. like you're choosing because the the strength and all the stereotypes, but not because of like the culture and the person and like the beauty or how he looks. Like I mean, you see how he looks. Yeah, it's all based on looks, not based on like anything deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's all very like surface level like ideas of like blackness and how like they care about like the black body in a very like gross way yeah i have a quote here from uh jordan peele from the horror noir documentary which is available on shutter um he described as get out being about um the black fear of white spaces um and kind of like and i also read in interviews and heard on other podcasts that like he was initially worried about white audiences identifying or empathizing with chris or not, like, would that be an issue? Like, would people not like it or see it as anti-white because they couldn't identify with Chris? Which I think is very cool. Because, yeah, I think, like, as a viewer, you do identify with Chris because of those microaggressions. Even though it is very specifically about blackness, they are still, I don't know, I don't want to say universal, but, like... I wouldn't say they're, like, universal in a mm-hmm. sense. But I think, like, they, but, like the stereotype he touches on and, like, Chris's experience is very, very specific, I feel like. But mm-hmm. also, like, can be very general at the same time in context of all black and brown people because mm-hmm. I think like not only black folks like are able to like relate to this or like empathize with it but also like other BIPOC people but also think in the sense where it's just like if white folks are able to watch this film and like maybe I don't know because I don't want to change Jordan Peele's words or like maybe mm-hmm. like wish, honestly part of me like wish I could have a discussion about, about this mm-hmm. about this yeah. movie, like <laughs> ask all the questions but it's like this idea that you don't have to relate to everything you know, like you don't have to yeah. be able to relate to every single movie you watch, and like for me, like you can just you can just empathize with it and be okay with that, mm-hmm. or even like, or even, or it doesn't have to be about you. 
yeah, it's not about you. Yeah. <laughs> right? And that's fine too, you know? There's, there's, there's uh, over a thousand movies about white people <laughs> and like that they can pick from. But this movie was, I think, specifically made for like black folks and then and, like everyone else after in the sense where just like you're able to mm-hmm. see yourself in a movie that's funny, but also scary, but also like scary in a very, like, in a very, very smart way. But also there's like, the, I think it, it goes to like, this film speaks so much to like what is going on in the sense where like how black folks are able to be empathized by the public when like mm-hmm. black people are shot and stuff like that, where it's like how far does it have to take white folks to empathize with people until like they're like they're, they're basically dead. I think I think I think I think about that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I think that's when we'll get to a place where people will all be on the same page about like race and about like racism, where it's like you're white folks are able to empathize or sympathize like completely like on a genuine level rather than just feeling like half kind of like empathy and kind of like and both have been really like uncomfortable like oh am I racist like no just empathize and just be done with it you know mm-hmm. and I, I wonder if this movie I wonder if Jonah thought about that too and thinking about a bigger like larger picture where it's just mm-hmm. like he wants you to empathize with Chris because he's still like a person like he's still yeah. a person going through really 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 weird weekend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a really creepy weekend and you should be you should feel sorry for him yeah this house with people that are going to kill him. <laughs> like, not even because he's, like, being racially targeted. Like, he's going to die. Like, he's going to possibly die in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, he has to figure out what he had to get out, get out of this house, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just have one last quote um, from Elizabeth Irwin from HorrorHorrorRoom.com. Um, this is discussing the audience's relationship um, to the police in the movie and then sort of generally um, audience empathy and um, identification with Chris. So um, they write, an obvious offshoot of white privilege is that the sight of a police car will not automatically convey fear to a white audience who lacks the bone deep understanding of how racism operates in our culture. And this is why the cop car scene at the end of the film is such a brilliant moment. While the audience may be divided as to what the cop car represent on a, represents on a personal level, everyone understands that to Chris, this car could, be, could just as easily be a threat as it could be a means of escape. We, we realize that the visual... Uh, of an alive black male body surrounded by an almost dead white female body is dangerous because we've spent the entire film watching racism play out in both coded and explicit ways. It situates the audience so utterly and completely into Chris's headspace that for a moment, every single audience member understands what it is to fear an approaching cop car. And I feel like, yeah, like even seeing it in the theater for the first time, people were like bummed out when they thought that the lights were were the cop car. And And apparently they did... There is an alternative ending mm-hmm. where it is a cop car and not the the TSA car with his friend in it. Um, it. Yeah, it is a cop car. He's pulled off of Rose and then arrested. And then the next shot is him, um, his friend Rod, visiting him in prison. Apparently, he like Jordan Peele decided to go with with the lighter ending just because of like how the world is. Like people need a, a fantasy rather than seeing like another black man like either like, killed by police or thrown in jail. Yeah, I think that was a really beautiful ending. Like, I think a lot of people are, like, on the edge of their seats, like, oh, my God, cop car came, he's going to go to jail, that's it, I'm going to be mad. Like, you're Mm going to still be, like, happy about the film because it was a really good film. But Mm -hmm. I think about the comparison between, like, Get Out and, like, Queen and Slim is not a horror, but also Daddy Clue is also in it. But think about that ending, it's, like... That's just a... I I don't want to... I'm going to spoil it. Yeah, spoiler alert for Queen and Slim. (laughs) It's devastating. It's a very, very sad ending, and, like, I think that's what I because it's so expected right I think it's been shown over and over again where black people are either killed killed by the police or being arrested by the police and go to prison for a very very long time and that's like it's actual real reality Mm -hmm. and to see that played on a movie all the time I think it's very very heartbreaking and like Jordan was able to give this like this fantasy of like he doesn't go to jail his his friend gets him and and pretend like this never ever happened you know Mm -hmm. like 
he covers it up for him. His friend comes in, his friend Rod, who's so like, really funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> such a, like, yeah, such a great, like, use of, like, comedic relief just to give, like, the viewers, like, a break from the tension and, like, the yeah. horror. Yeah. And, like, saves him, right? And, like, mm-hmm. you see, and at the end, he's just like, I don't want to tell you, I don't want to yeah. tell you, so, tell you, told you so, but I can't, he's like, never go the way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I told, told you so, yeah. The house. <laughs> and, like, this guy's just, like, almost murdering, he's just like, I don't want to say anything, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's but so good. I think it just made the whole movie very, 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 very complete. Mm-hmm. And just, like, even, like, Rose, ugh, I hate that. She did like, She did such a great job as, She's, like, as like this creep. So creepy. Like, oh, my God. Okay, my favorite part <laughs> of, like, Rose, her, she's so despicable, but, like, once she's able to sort of, like, shed her, like, woke exterior and she's just like sitting on her bed in her like pristine room listening yes. to it's like dirty dancing soundtrack probably and like drinking milk and eating dry fruit loops like yeah and like what like white nonsense like so creepy it's so creepy and I remember watching it for the first time or actually yeah I watched it for the first time and people were saying like oh the reason why she eats the like the colored fruit loops and like the milk separate because she's racist because she doesn't want to mix things. And I'm like, no, no, no. She's just creepy. Like, yeah, just I, I just think it's creepy. It. Yeah. <laughs> Not about racism. Yeah. Though, I, I think like Jordan Peele was just like, what's weird? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's like disgustingly creepy? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's all like getting like really intuitive. Like it's about race. Like no, no, no. For once in this movie, for like a half a second, it's not about race. It's about how she's disgusting. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> so hard to watch. Oh, so and gross. one thing I did notice this time watching it, she has like those photos of her like of the other men and Georgina who she seduced too and like brought into this family like on the wall behind her. Oh I didn't know oh I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh my god. Ew. So like like almost like a prize. Like she yeah. feels good about it. Like yeah. she's like, look at all the black people that I've killed and yeah. brought to my family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mahala. Thanks so much for being on the show and for, for suggesting this movie. It's such a so great to talk about it. Yeah, I haven't yeah. talked about this film in a very, very long time, and it felt really fun to just analyze it again and, like, think of all the different things and how smart Jordan Peele is and how I want to pick his brain all the time. Yeah. And also, like, the documentary you told me about Horror Noir Horror and, like, Noir, basically yeah. that, like, that documentary builds up to, like, Get Out, and it's so, so smart and so good. And just, like, the, I think, like, Get Out is a very, like, uh, contemporary vision of what black horror could be and it's very it's so smart everyone should if you haven't seen get out yet with them yeah honestly. watch get out yeah. and watch um horror noir on shutter yes yes um <laughs> Bahala, do you have any projects coming up that you want to that you want to plug mm-hmm. so i'm a part of a group called justice for black lives winnipeg and we have sort of fun but uh, specifically for queer and trans black folks so uh, it's basically you can ask for funds for rent, groceries, whatever you need. You need essentially for to live and to survive. Essentially, and knowing that COVID is existing right now, and people, it's definitely a very hard time for people. This is open to all queer, trans, Black folks. Um, so don't hesitate to email me. My email is oh yeah, my email is listed on my Instagram, so it'll be super easy to say that instead. Mm-hmm. But my Instagram is m a h l a t dot c c. But also you can follow Justice for Black Lives Winnipeg on. Instagram as well, and then my information is on there too. But uh, yeah, if you're queer and trans and black, please reach out to me. But also for folks that are not those things, please donate to Justice for Black Lives for people to fund those funds for queer and trans black people. That's super important as wintertime it gets colder and people are going to be more in need of stuff. So we're trying to accommodate the people. Yeah, great. Cool. Mm. Thanks so much. Um, you can listen to Bikini Drive In every Sunday at 4.30 on CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. 
Um, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, just Bikini Drive-In. Bye. to CKUW 95.9 FM, Winnipeg.